Freedom and censorship can't exist in the same world. And that's true whether it's the government or private corporations who do the censoring. Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, and welcome to the Coleman Nation podcast. It's a show where I sit down with guests to discuss the future of free expression and thought in our interconnected world. Here, we will focus on issues involving social media, cancel culture, and free expression that everybody who cares about ideas or freedom should be wrestling with. Hello, culminators. It's uh, good to have you back again. Today, we've got a very interesting guest, a person of unusual courage for our times and in general, a person who has surprised me quite a bit in many ways that I've already let her know, but I'm going to repeat it again because she's going to just have to handle it. And a person who is, I'm very excited to say, an actual domestic terrorist. And of course, I can only be talking about Nicole Solis, domestic terrorist. And let me just make it very clear to you. She's very open about it. Domestic terrorist, Nicole Solis, who has busted open big time the CRT racket in the public schools of Rhode Island. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Hi, hi, Ron. Thank you so much for having me. Um, what a nice introduction. I, I took a break from all my domestic terrorism to be here. <laughs> Actually, I'm not so sure. This might be included in domestic terrorism. <laughs> Certainly, if going to a school board meeting makes you a domestic terrorist, coming on to the culmination cannot be any better. Uh, actually, no, I'm not, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. Um, uh, is it rock throwing? That's not what I'm looking for. One of those hellfire. There's some, some metaphor, some cliche that I'm unable to get my hands on right now. Nicole. I don't really know why you still only have 22,000 followers after being on Twitter for three months um, or, or mattering on Twitter for three months. I, what, let's see, you joined in 2017, but this summer, how many, feel, well, how many followers did you have in June? Uh, zero. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't use Twitter before this. And, um, you know, I, on, on Facebook, other social media, I was just posting pictures of like my kids. And, you know, so right, this is the first time I'm using social media for like, you know, a, a, a campaign and to expose corruption. And um, it's a really powerful tool. Well, I'm, I'm glad I found it. Well, um, we are also because the, the, the fascinating thing about Unicorn, and I'm going to, the reason I, I mentioned the number of followers is because it's not, it's an impressive growth, but, but besides the fact that not enough people are following you, not enough people know you for me to say you don't need an introduction. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to tell a story about how you've come to our attention. Sure. So um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I live in Rhode Island. I have two kids, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And when I enrolled my five-year-old daughter in her public school district, I called the principal of the elementary school to ask um, really general questions about kindergarten, um, first and foremost. And then I also asked questions about how they're teaching critical race theory and gender theory in the district. Um, at the time, I asked the question, I said, you know, are you doing anything with this anti-racism or systemic racism in, in any way? I, I really wasn't tuned into how it's all critical race theory at that time. And the principal answered in the affirmative. They said, that with critical race theory, they teach a certain line of thinking about history in every grade at an age. So at that level. time, it, at that time, the line was, yes, of course. Yes, of course. We critical well, race theory is 
Yeah, I wouldn't really characterize the response quite like that. Really what happened was I sensed she got very nervous. Um, there was a bit of a silence. Um, and but now, but now we're, we're, we're in complete, we're, we're in Egypt, right? We're, in, we're along denial. We don't, there's no such thing as critical race theory being taught in the schools. But back then it was, well, yeah, I guess so. If you, if you really want to know, yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, we do this thing. I don't know if it's quite the thing that you're talking about. And we both pretend we're talking about different things, but really we're talking about the thing that they're doing with critical race theory. And um, what they're doing are practices. So in kindergarten, starting in kindergarten, they ask children what could have been done differently on Thanksgiving, implying that something was wrong with this historical event. And how can a five-year-old oh, I thought ask you meant, that? I thought you meant that the turkey was dry. Yeah, what could have been Which done is a, differently? You know, which can always be done differently, right? We all have complaints about the turkey. So, uh, you know, but for five-year-olds, I think they're very confused. I think most adults are confused by that question. And they said that they continue to build upon this line of thinking, which she wouldn't really elaborate on um, in every grade. Um, and then with gender theory, they said that they refrain from calling the children boys and girls. They try not to use gender terminology and um, they embed the values of gender identity into the classroom. And I have emails to back all of this up, right? This isn't just me saying what happened. I have a lot of this in writing. And then when I ask more questions about, well, what do you do in this grade? What do you do in second grade with um, you know, this line of thinking with history and, and gender identity? They didn't wanna answer my questions. So first I tried emailing my questions. Um, they agreed for me to email all my questions. And then when they got my email, they told me to submit public records requests to get all of my questions answered. Um, and when is this happening? What time, what time of the, this was in the spring? This, yep, this was in May. This was in May, um, I had just enrolled my daughter, I think in March. And well, let's take a step back. Why were you, what, what made you ask these questions? That's a good question. So you seem I, to have been the first one to have knocked on that door in, uh, in, in this school district, which I know so well, almost right. as well as. Yeah, um, well, about a year or so ago when, when George Floyd was killed, they, uh, the, the chair of the school committee at that time, who was not the chair when I started engaging my school district, sent out a quote message of solidarity to the South Kingstown School District. And it was this really radical message um, professing allegiance to Black Lives Matter and saying that our school is systemically racist. We have to rid the school of systemic inequities. We stand with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it was sent out to everybody and it posted on the school's website. However, it's now taken down. Um, and so that was my first inkling that this school was being oddly political. And I, at that time, hadn't enrolled my daughter in school. I had another year or so to go. And so I decided to include that in my questions about kindergarten because I wanted to know if they were really following through with this, this message that they sent out to the community. Um, so that was a, a big red flag for me. And I didn't you know, get around to it until I enrolled my daughter. Um, now with the public records requests, um, I didn't even know that my school had a link on their website to submit public records requests. They make it very easy. Um, so I was just doing what they told me to do. Um, they knew I had a lot of questions. In the email, they even stated so much. They said, due to the scope of your questions, please submit public records requests. And I did, I submitted lots, I submitted hundreds. The reason why I did that is because it costs money to get public information. You submit a public records request and then you get an estimate back. Um, some of them I got estimates back for you know 20 bucks. Sometimes it was $9,000 and that was a real estimate. 
Sometimes I had to bargain with them to get these estimates down because I can't afford to purchase all of this information just to get my questions answered. And um, at any time they could have told me, hey, this is too many public records requests. Let's just, let's just email, let's just talk. But they wanted to do it this way. And then one morning I woke up to find my name on a agenda of a public school committee meeting. And it said that they were going to discuss or take action against Nicole Solis for filing 160 public records requests. <laughs> I had never been to a school board meeting before. Um, this is all new to me. So to see that they were having a school board meeting about me was like an out of body experience. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, when I saw that agenda, my heart definitely started pounding because I thought, this is psychotic. I, wow. Um, and at that point I decided that I had to have a public response because my public school district was publicly attacking me. They were singling me out. It was obviously politically motivated because again, they had told me to submit these public records requests. So I contacted- Well, even if they, ha even if they hadn't told you. Sure, <laughs> I mean, sure right. I it's a public records request. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Journalists do it all the time. And I was just doing it to get my questions answered about school. So I contacted legalinsurrection.com, uh, Bill Jacobson, and I said, this is the agenda. Well, this is, uh -huh. So he just, so what made you think of, I mean, that was something you read regularly? Uh, no, I mean, actually, all... I, my, so my husband had read it regularly, but what was going on in the background was as I was getting information from my school district and seeing all of all of you know what they were doing, I had set up a private Facebook group where I was posting the information that I was finding and I was trying to raise awareness about what they were doing. And um, Bill Jacobson actually found that Facebook group because um, it's just sheer luck that he also lives in Rhode Island. And yeah. um, when he saw what I was posting, um, he just let me know that if anything happened to contact him, but I really didn't know what he was talking about. I wasn't sure what was going to happen to me. Um, and I, I didn't really know him. I was kind of like, oh, who's this guy? All right. But I was really lucky to have a, a connection to a national media source so I could get that story out. And um, my, my real luck was that I, I sort of got ahead of this narrative that my school district was, was trying to um, you know, use against me, that I was this terrible person. And um, Legal insurrection was just amazing because I got to tell my story in my own words. I'm going to this meeting, they're threatening to sue me and um, let's see what happens because, you know, this is totally foreign to me. I, I wasn't doing this. I wasn't, you know, some political operative before. I was literally just a stay at home mom and taking care of my kids and wanted to know what was going on in my school district. So you realize that was the first act of domestic terrorism that you were committing was being a stay at home mom and admitting it as opposed to just merely being a stay-at-home mom because you're being paid to stay home like everybody else was last year. <laughs> exactly, I had no idea that I was embarking on this new career, so. Um, and this, so you, so what ended up happening? So the school board had no, a, uh -huh. Had the meeting, the famous right. meeting. Had the famous meeting, um, yeah, it was like a show trial. I invited media to record it because I sensed that it was going to be extraordinary, which it was. They had posted all of my public records requests onto a big screen. They they organized them in various categories to make it seem like I was really a bad person. They had people speak against me in public comment as if they were witnesses at my trial, um, you know, either saying that I was a good person or a racist person. They singled out um, a national organization, said that I was working with them as like some political operative, said that they were racist. Um, and 
at the end of it, they decided not to sue me. I don't know if they ever really intended to sue me. I don't think they had a legal basis to sue me to begin with. And when I spoke in public comment, I said this meeting was meant to publicly humiliate me and it didn't work. And everyone no, it didn't, did it. didn't work. Everyone <laughs> cheered. You know, I had a lot of support. Um, admittedly, the public comment was kind of split 50-50. There were a lot of true believers in critical race theory that spoke against me. Um, but then I thought it would be over after that meeting. But then two months later, a constable comes to my door with a lawsuit from the National Education Association, the largest teachers union in the country. Right. Give me. I finally sure. found what I was what, what I went. My eyes were oh, not good. darting at something better looking. They were darting at something at the, the, the YouTube video from your August 7th post of the, of the public meeting taken on June 2nd. And I, you know, I, I don't know where the, where the juicy parts are, but I do. Yes, this is the view that I remember. Yep. And when we saw this, Nicole, it, it just everyone's draw. I mean, it was really happening and it was really happening conspicuously and openly and notoriously. And of course, my, my wife turned to me, as you know, and said, that's my school district. That's where I grew up. Amazing. Amazing. And, and a so, lot of people have told me that, oh my God, I went to that school district. I just, I just can't believe how they have descended into this abyss of insanity. You know, it's not what it used to be for people that went there 20 years ago, um, according to people that talked to me. I'm just pitching the Jane Coleman Human Events article about critical race theory in Rhode Island. Um, it, okay, so you get, the, it, we, have, we have the meeting, you hear about the lawsuit, but you haven't yet seen the lawsuit is that and then all of a sudden the knock at the door yeah i mean i had no idea they were that the teachers union was now going to step in in this you know weird public arena and 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 sue me so the teachers union gave me uh served me with a lawsuit and my husband with a lawsuit for the public records request that he made um he was also singled out in this in this meeting with my school district and the lawsuit is asking a judge to not release information from my public records requests on the basis that their teachers will be harassed by national conservative groups. And that's stated in the complaint. Um, they don't have standing to uh, sue me because the public records request process is between the requester, which is me, and the public entity, which is the school. The Goldwater Institute is representing me on this claim. Um, their argument in court is obviously there's no standing. And as of now, we're waiting for a judge to render a written decision over winter break. We motioned for summary judgment to get it dismissed. And then we also counterclaimed with an anti-slap suit and requested limited discovery. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, Nicole becomes this fierce Twitter personality. And, you know, it's one thing to, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and now I'm on Twitter, and you see a lot of that, and God bless all the stay-at-home moms and all the everything else's in the world who, you know, find themselves unexpectedly on Twitter. We don't necessarily expect them to be incisive and, and fierce, and you've got, this lady took to the medium of Twitter like a beast. You, I mean, you really, the fact is the problem, the problem, however, with Nicole's feed 
is that she is so eager to back up her point about the disgusting things that are going on in the schools that she has, there was a, a couple, I guess it was a week or two ago, I could maybe have to go back to the media page, where you were tweeting so many disgusting things from stuff. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Here's uh, defending pornography for kids. I'll just scroll down for the picture as promoting sexual health, comparing it to Michelangelo. That is a picture of a child blowing up something that's not a balloon, not sexual health. And over and over, and you kept using this as a response to people who are denying that this is really happening. And that's, you know, there she is with her husband. I don't know if he, well, you put it up there. Yeah, that's okay. But over and over and over, over and over. My goodness gracious, they're, they're not backing down at all, are it, they? It's, it's amazing. You know, first people will deny that it's actually in school. And this has been reported on both locally and, and nationally. If you want to know if it's really in school and you have a good faith of skepticism about it, you can certainly Google it. Google it with Rhode Island, North Kingstown High School. It's there. There's, there's plenty of evidence to um, prove that it is, in fact, in schools in Rhode Island and in many schools in the country. And then if they move beyond denying it, they'll then, they'll then actually defend it and, and say that it is for kids um, to learn about sex ed in school and that it's actually healthy for them. Never in my life did I think that people would publicly state that pornography for children is good for them. Um, and then the third thing they'll do is they'll say that it's not pornography, right? They'll just change the definition of pornography. They'll say, well, pornography isn't good for kids, but this isn't pornography, right? Depictions of children engaged in, in, in sex acts is not pornography. I don't know how we get there as a society. That's, it's, it's, I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know what else to say about it. That you know, really and, and, when you say, and when you say you're speechless, this is, you, first of all, you're not just saying it and it's not, well, I guess you are just saying it because you speak quite articulately, but it's still stunning. Even, you know, May to December, it's, you know, seven months later. Yes. Of course, you didn't even know how bad it was in May. In May, oh. you thought that, that you were getting these kind of wimpy answers. Now you know what's really going on. Yeah. I mean, once you start investigating your school district and you start uncovering evidence, it is far more surprising and shocking than, than you, you could imagine. I mean, even some of my public records requests I submitted only after I got a response from a public records request. And I thought, oh, what is, what is this? Now I have to get a public record request about this document that they gave me. Well, um, you know, you say it's shocking, but I guess shocking in our day is not the same as newsworthy because I'm looking here for coverage and I see the New York Post, which is known as a relatively conservative uh, uh, paper in New York, and of course, our friend at Legal Insurrection, and then Fox, Daily Signal. Okay, got onto Yahoo, so that means that it was syndicated in a few places, maybe. Providence Journal doesn't seem to have covered it since June. What on, I mean, no one from a major, from the AP, no one from the Times or the Washington Post, no interest in this story of being schooled, of being sued by a teacher's union, not forget the, forget the substance, forget what they're pissed off about for making public records requests. Right. But the ACLU, they ran over to, to offer you assistance, right? Oh, of course not. No, is that, that's a joke, <laughs> isn't that? Okay, you're yes, funny. It is. <laughs> ACLU is always a joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
You know, local media in Rhode Island, um, I've said this before in other interviews, they are more like the hall monitors for the status quo. Um, now, there are some local independent journalists that um, I really respect, like John DePietro, Pat Ford. I'm, I'm now cultivating a new relationship, hopefully with a, a media outlet that will give me fair coverage and balanced reporting. But Rhode Island media is very much in bed with the teachers union. Um, you know, when you sure. go when you go to the NEA um, RI website, they brag about having NEA organizers in all facets of government and media, right? It's like they've, they've just planted their spies everywhere. So I have in fact done some local interviews um, in Rhode Island, but they either, they, tw one station didn't air my interview twice. Um, and it's because they're trying to get me to look bad. And, and now that I have experience with media, I know the questions that are uh, unfair, unethical and completely beside the point. And um, I've, you know, learned do you, the do you remember? Like, do you remember some of the setup questions or the um, when did you stop beating your wife type questions? Uh, yeah, so, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll just name names. Uh, with WPRI in Rhode Island, I had an interview where they said, uh, you, know, you know, how do you feel about the school getting threats? You know, so they want to make, make <laughs> me look like I, I'm somehow responsible for a, a school getting some type of threat. They didn't tell me what the threat was, but, you know, they, they then said it when they were on the air. I didn't have a chance to respond to the substance. So my only response was, well, how does the school feel about targeting a mother? Uh, you know, so uh, you're 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 pretty good on your feet there. You know, yeah. Don't go to law school. Don't go to law school. Be, just live a happy life. Okay. I did go to law school. I'm a lawyer. I don't know if you knew that. You must have. Did you tell this to? You must have told this to Jane at some point when you were talking to her. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't practice, so it's because you know. I don't remember her telling me that, and she would have been struck by. Okay, so you're not a normal person at all. <laughs> no, I'm okay. a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a recovering lawyer. I didn't have, yeah, yeah. you know, my trajectory was, um, yeah, I, I met my husband when I was in law school. He didn't go to law school. He's a, um, he's a professor, but, um, you know, we basically got married and had kids right around the time I graduated. So I learned quickly that I, I didn't want to be, you know, working full time as a lawyer and raising my kids. So I decided to stay home. Yeah, that's that's what happened to us too, and that's why I'm still working and probably will be, but not be because we did because we decided to raise our kids, and that yeah. you know that's a mom's job mostly. I mean, I think I helped out a little bit. <laughs> I've changed more diapers in any month between 1991 and 1990, <laughs> probably 2000. Than my my every single Coleman in history before me did combine in their entire lives. <laughs> Um, so, okay. So you are, you, you did go to law school and you are quick on your feet and you do know, you do think dialectically, which is what the case method does. And you also have a good vocabulary. And this explains also why you write well, by the way, you must've gone to a good law school or, or, not, or you were the best at your law school, because I just want the, I want people listening to understand that many, many lawyers are dumb and inarticulate. Like I, 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 I we both know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. being, yeah, I mean. <laughs> being a get, lawyer. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> does, it, right, when I was a kid, that meant, oh, that must be an intelligent person. And let's not talk about doctors either. Oh God. So now, so is this gonna become a, a, like a career for you or do you want it to just all go away and go back to, I mean, after all, you're still at home. I see you're at home. Um, I, I don't hear the kids. I, what do you, you chloroform them, chloroform them before interviews? I mean, I schedule interviews during my son's nap, but um, my husband is home that's today. Amazing. So he's also, he's also helping me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's a professor. He doesn't really work anyway. 
Well, and he obviously is behind you on this. He seems like a, a, a you know a pretty extraordinary person because for two people to be together, both of whom agree that they're on a mission from God. And I didn't say that you said that. I'm just saying we're on a mission. We're on a mission to do the right thing, notwithstanding the, uh, you know, the calumny and the bricks and, and, and um, mortars, bricks, not bricks and mortars, bricks and wombats, brick bats, <laughs> the brick bats that they would, I went to law school. So. <laughs> Like what do, do you does it, does this open up for you a sense though of what kind of stuff you might want to do differently when the kiddies are grown up and you don't want to just you know do the ladies who lunch kind of thing because <laughs> you did you know you're an educated person it's not like our parents generation where moms stayed moms even when they weren't being moms so much. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I I'm really just taking it day by day. Doing media takes up a lot of time. And I only have limited time, you know, like when my kids are, are napping or my son is napping. Um, I you still know. doing a lot of media though? Is it just the same? It's just the same old people rolling and you know, having their, their, you know, their shot at, at Nicole. And, and then you move to the next one. How many interviews are you doing a week? Oh gosh. I think, uh, you know, it's slowed down quite a bit, but um, I think last week was maybe one or two. Um, and then, and then of course, you know, I'll, I'll read uh, news stories about me where they don't even contact me, which is, is strange. You'd think that they would want a statement if they were ethical journalists, but um, uh, I, I don't, I can't say I have any plans because I didn't start this as a, as a career move, right. you know, and um, no. it's, uh, it's really been quite turbulent. So again, I'm really just kind of taking it day by day. Um, so if you're doing all these interviews, what am I gonna, I need to, I need something from you that you're not saying or talking about in all the other interviews because this is culmination, okay? Okay. And, I, and I'm, I'm known for asking the incisive question. And I think that I'm not sure that I really have asked a particularly incisive question yet. The, how, how, did the, how did you find your way to the Goldwater interview, uh, 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 Institute? Was that from Bill? Uh, no, the Goldwater Institute contacted another group in Rhode Island. I think they're called the Freedom and Prosperity Center. And then they reached out to me and connected me with Goldwater. And that was, of course, due to uh, the media coverage. Goldwater could They you know, got see there that before could... Harmeet. And I did, you know, I mean, we were after you and I, I had that, when that video went up, I was texting Bill, get me Nicole Hartman, and, um, get, me, get me Nicole Souls. And he said, no, I, I think she's taken care of. But, but the, you know, the, the, the Coleman aspect of it too, with the, I mean, I, I've, I've been there. You know, and when Jane's parents were alive, we used, I we used to go up there visiting. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about growing up in this idyllic, idyllic, idyllic New England school district. So far away from this urban nightmare that I brought her to <laughs> metropolitan New York. You know, I, I, I just like to be reminded that she's lived in New Jersey. Longer, far longer than she lived in Rhode Island. Um, tell me something. Tell me something you haven't talked about with the other people that 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 might be interested because you know who you know who I interact with. Uh, first of all, what's the litigation schedule like? Where, where so you just said you had the motion. It's it, both motions are up. The motion to this, the motion for summary judgment and the slap anti-slap motion. Now yes. in Rhode Island, what are anti-slap sanctions? Attorneys fees. Yeah, attorney fees, attorney's fees, and also we have requested punitive and compensatory damages for me. 
what's your take on the on the judge or do so, you not, not want to say yeah I mean, based on oral argument based on oral i'm not asking you for how do you feel oral argument when i'm sure you that your lawyers were great yeah but oh yeah i i think they did a fantastic it? job i heard it yeah i was there i, I had a different length than the no but did the time. judge hear it did the yeah did the judge hear it yep the, the, they tried to they tried to get you to to agree to a walk away right well you know uh even in my local interviews, the reporter who, again, remember the media is in bed with the National Teachers Union, um, kept saying to me, why don't you just drop out of the lawsuit? And it's very clear to me that their whole strategy from the beginning was to set up this collusive litigation, have the teachers union sue me and the school district, and then pressure me either in the media or otherwise to drop out as a defendant and just ask the judge to withdraw, uh, have me withdraw. Now, of course, if I did that, I would relinquish my own interest and my own civil rights to access public information. Why on earth would I do that? And why on earth would I do that when I have pro bono uh, representation? You know, I'm, I'm not paying for this. So uh, if that was in fact their strategy, which I, again, I suspect it was, um, stupidest well, strategy ever. Qual quality pro bono. I will tell you, pro bono, often you get what you pay for, <laughs> yeah. but yes, the you've got quality qualified, specialized, motivated uh, pro bono representation. And that's the fun part. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so lucky. I mean, it's, it's quite an experience. Um, so I, I, I think that that's what they wanted me to do is to drop out. So that way the school could then say, oh, okay, we're just a little defendant. We'll do what you say. Teachers union, we, we won't, you know, release these records. And then they were, they would be able to carve out, um, you know, first of all, a new right for themselves judicially because now the teachers union can establish that they can just take anyone to court who files public records requests. And then, um, you know, secondly, they would set this precedent, which I don't ever think would be able to stand where you have to have a judge now decide whether public records requests will be, um, you know, granted. That's, I, I don't think there are enough judges to do that in Rhode Island. Um, so, I, but I, I, I don't know what would have happened if I dropped out, but I think that's what they wanted me to do from the beginning. And, and maybe this was a surprise for them that, you know, I, I stayed in the litigation as a defendant. What do your neighbors say? What do your fellow, fellow parents in the neighborhood say? Uh, my neighbors, uh, most of them love me. I live on a, you know, a small street. I'm not sure if you meant literally in my community, but, um, I mean, uh, the people that, that matter for purposes of, of, you know, your interaction. I don't, no, I don't necessarily mean your next door neighbor, but I mean okay. people in the community and, and other parents in the school. I have a ton of support. Um, you know, my, my town is very, very liberal. So if you go to a school board meeting now, you're only going to get the true believers in critical race theory going and, and supporting the school committee. Um, but I, I have more friends and allies than I ever had before all of this. Um, something that I like to tell people is that retaliation is fake news because they will call you racist, they will try to do something to you, and then you'll overcome it. And what actually happened was they shined a light on you as the new leader in your community to push back against all of this radical political ideology. So if they retaliate Nicole, against you, that, that is a good I, thing, okay? Because that's that, the beginning. I, you've got, this is the, Jeremy, speaking to my producer, <laughs> Jeremy, this is the soundbite that we have waited 44 episodes for. <laughs> What you just said is so unbelievably important because I yesterday I interviewed somebody who's the head of an organization for people who have been canceled or deplatformed and lost their you know lost their jobs 
trying to build a world for themselves in which they don't have to fear retaliation. Off the grid or on the grid, but supporting each other, whatever the case may be. And one of the things that I am obsessed with is the importance of people speaking out, using their names, and if they're pretty like me, or even just, you know, like you, and their faces, putting their personalities and their reputations on the line, because when you, when you exercise that kind of leadership, you give courage to so many people on the margin who do it if they just saw that they, someone had their back and said they weren't alone. And so what you're saying to me is so, so extraordinary and so important. Yeah, I mean, when, when I went on Tucker Carlson, I, I said, the more parents that speak out against this, the harder it will be for your school to retaliate against you. If they have hundreds of parents that are challenging this, what are they gonna do? Go, go parent by parent on a list of 300 parents say, to, to try to get them has, to lose their job. And I mean, they don't have enough time to do that. And of course, being a stay-at-home mom, there is no job. Exactly. Um, how about Professor Adam? If they tried to rattle the cage where he works at all? No, nope. And that's- They a, haven't you even know. tried. Well, maybe it's because you're dealing with amateurs up in Rhode Island, you know? Maybe Bill Jacobson scared them all away. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there is something think, about Rhode Island that, that makes it a little different from the rest of the country when it comes to politics. Well, you know why? Because you still have the mafia there. So Antifa isn't going to move in quite so easily. <laughs> you know, um, there is no mafia, of course. I, as a New Jersey resident, I just want to reassure everyone that there is no mafia. Um, in a way, though, because of this, because you don't have to fear physical retribution or cancellation or having Chase inform you that they've canceled your bank account. Um, they might, but so far, thank God they haven't, whoever you bank with. You are able to, you know, to be this example. And it, it really is important because on the other hand, at the end of the day, you really, you really are just a stay-at-home mom. And it, you know, people really do need to know that it can, you know, that it can be done. I mean, you obviously have a certain amount of, it, it is a, a certain, I mean, what are you, what were you thinking when you first got up to speak at the microphone at that meeting? Was your heart pumping a little bit? Yeah, no, uh, I, yeah. I don't, I'm not intimidated by these school boards. Um, I, well, you weren't a litigator, were you? No. Um, I, okay. Wow. Well, because. I just think if you That's have not... a little bit of contempt for um, your government, it can go a long way. Uh, you know, obviously, the... <laughs> but also yeah. you're a, you're a mom, and, and you're talking about your kids, and right. mom, even the, the most regular people in the world, not super special people like you and me, can find within themselves something when it comes to a threat to their children. You need to tap into the fighter in you as a mother or as a father. I, I did not come this far in life to be under the thumb of a Rhode Island school board. You know, I am so happy in my personal life and with all of the decisions I made, I, you know, I finally have, you know, beautiful, healthy children, a husband that I adore. I could afford to buy this house. Everything was perfect. And then my school board tries to destroy my life. That's really what it was. This wasn't just like a misunderstanding. 
my school board wanted to ostracize me from the community, paint me as a racist and destroy me. And I, I'm 38 years old. I, I didn't get to where I got after a lot of hard, hard work to have that happen. So th that this was personal for me. This wasn't like political. Did you know any of them before? No, mm -hmm. I never, I never met them. I mean, I, I knew that they were the school board, but I've never interacted with them face to face. It was only over email. Now, are these, now that you've had a chance to get to know them, are these political people, usually school, school board members are themselves regular moms and dads from the community who feel an obligation to throw in, like, did they get captured? How do you understand them to have become such vicious defenders of this obviously corrupt way of going about in the world? I think they are uh, mainly provincial people um, and they are very committed uh, in a really religiously devout way to being on the school board. I think that they view themselves as these, um, uh, gosh, really almost like re religious uh, priests that are here to transform a, a school co uh, community with these new values and morals and ideologies. And- oh, but, like, but, but they're not the ones who introduced this curriculum, right? That's done by the professionals in the in the, in, in the school board in the in the in the uh, main headquarters of the school district. Right. So you have the Rhode Island Department of Education that will you know create the standards, but um, the school itself writes the curriculum, and the the, the school board itself will um, uh, decide you know what values they want to reflect in their school, and it's 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 not. It, it, it's sort of a, a pantomime. So in, in the beginning, there was this group, um, an, an anti-racist group in South Kingstown that came to the school board and they said, um, you know, we are uh, toward an anti-racist South Kingstown. That's the name of our group. Right, stop, We're stop, mm -hmm. stop. I'm, I'm a big interrupter. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm taking you, because I am a litigator. When you say anti-racist, you don't mean anti-racist the way any normal person would mean, I'm anti-racist. I wish people would not be racist and I'm against racism. You mean capital A, anti-racist, that's a thing. Yes. And that means what they identify as racism is something that they're going to aggressively and affirmatively fight against and try to destroy. And what they consider racism is anything that disagrees with them. Absolutely, this is Kendi's brand of anti-racism which is racism. It believes in targeting um, different racial groups in order to promote or advance or demote and hold back other groups, right? This is a Marxist paradigm of the oppressed and the oppressor under a racial lens. So um, that is toward an anti-racist South Kingstown. And um, this group came to the school board and said, uh, you know, we all have had experiences where we were discriminated against. Now, I'm sure their stories are true, but you know there are already laws that they can use to show that they were illegally discriminated against on the basis of race. But those laws are you know, colorblind um, and they are not what they want. What they want is to say that they are the oppressed and that only minorities can experience racism. And um, oh, now, you know, now only certain minorities, because I believe that the ideology says that 
even Asian people are white adjacent and now and now Jewish people are positioned as, as oppressors, right, of Palestine. So it's- oh, Yeah, that's old news. Yeah, old news, right, okay. We've, so, been, we've, been, we've been oppressing for a while. Of course you have, yes. Like <laughs> since, since day one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my school district capitulated to this outside group and said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll change our discipline policies because of what you just told us. So I see a lot of pageantry happening behind the scenes. Um, you know, they'll arrange for these groups to come and speak because the school board itself is looking for a reason to justify their, their policy changes and their, their curriculum revisions. What, what do you think the, and we'll, I'm going to release you before the nap ends um, shortly, what's the political outlook for this school board? Are they, do you think they're going to end up getting replaced in turn as their, as their cycles, as their terms end? Or what, what's your take on that? I don't know. Uh, I think it's 50-50 because my town is so progressive. They recently just passed an anti-racist policy that, um, you know, pits different groups against each other. And uh, the people that showed up were completely um, in support of it. Um, and your kids now are going to school where? My don't, daughter. Don't name it. Right. No, I wouldn't. Um, it's, it's a private Catholic school. And, and I went to that school and I said, I, I'm leaving because of the political um, problems in my school. And I was very clear and, and, you know, because they're Catholic. And I know this isn't true for all Catholic schools, but because they're Catholic, no. their values are not the values of critical race theory. Well, I uh, wish you the best on this. You and I uh, continue to bump up against each other in the supportive way on Twitter. You're doing really, you are doing God's work and it's super duper important to promote that work and support it. And thank you for the Goldwater Institute. Uh, I'm sure that they're exactly the right people at the right moment for you. And we're all watching this with bated breath. Thank it's, you, Ron. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on, culminating a little bit with us, and we'll talk soon. Okay. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.